0: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Sally Cade Holmes. Sally Cade is a producer. We know each other through the University of Evansville alumni community, although she was there right after I graduated. We didn't overlap. She has just been on fire as a commercial producer in recent years, including being involved in producing the Tony Award winning Hades Town, which sadly I still have not seen. I hope, I hope, I hope it'll come back after all of this settles down. Um, as well as the inheritance on Broadway. She was involved with producing that. She has recently struck out on her own instead of working for another company, and you can find out more info about her and her work at SallyKateholmes.com. She just has a fantastic energy the kind of person you want to be in a room with. And I was especially excited to hear about, (laughs) even though we recorded this over FaceTime in mid-March, shortly after we all started sheltering in place, I was especially excited to hear about her passion for educating young theater professionals and students on what producers do and all the amazing different paths available in the theater that aren't necessarily being on stage, all the things that Really offer a different kind of artistry and um, way of making the work happen. This is a really scary time. I hope you're doing okay. And I'm thinking about all of you sending a lot of love. Stay home, stay safe. And I hope you enjoy the 156th episode.
1: good mix. Just, just <laughs> kidding. I don't do that. Um, but therapy, no, real. Um, uh, I am a person who, you know, I was a performer for a long time and I'm now, like, trying to, to find what pieces of that follow, carry into producing. Um, and, and I found that sometimes the emotional element of that and, like, the, the thinking about how I feel about things – it's just it's presented differently in the performance world and in the business world. So I'm constantly negotiating those things. So sometimes it feels like I don't even acknowledge the dark side when we're going there. Um, so for me, it's a constant question of like, how do I actually feel about these things? How do I feel like this is teetering on a dark side? Um, and I think that's actually the healthy question for me, uh, because I if I get too tied up in um, in, in how I, you know, uh, it's easy to fall down a spiral, I think, um, and just get into my emotions when in reality it has to be at, like there has to be action taken. So at a certain point, it is a skill to say, you know what, I'm going to pause this right now. I'm going to take the action and then I will deal with it mm-hmm. out, outside of this moment. Um, which is a unique and I think, uh, like, that is part of my art, is how to negotiate those things.
0: Yeah, because it, these things are expressed in, like, a different language in the, the side of the business you're in now. That's fascinating. Totally, totally. I love that you say it as action, though. That's great.
1: One hundred percent, and that is uh, – that's all – and sometimes I've learned in the, past, in the past few years, like, the best action is actually inaction. So, like <laughs> – pause. That's a very, um, sorry about that. My mom called so we can like,
0: no, it's fine. I was yeah. actually saying the word pause in context, but oh, it there, it, no. yeah, it yeah, flipped yeah, for no. a second. And I was like, weird. Yeah,
1: no. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was a person who was like, we have to move the football down the field. We have to keep going. We have to da 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 Um, and I've realized watching these kind of behemoth shows grow that sometimes pausing is the action um which is unique and kind of uh antithetical to my type a nature Hmm. um and honestly this moment in history we're in right now this pandemic is like causing us as a culture to pause i think Yep. and breathe and sit still and like what does that do for us what do i as a producer learn from this like how do we strategically employ the skill that we're all learning in the future? All of these are questions I'm asking myself.
0: Yeah. Well, should we just dive into that? It's the it's the thing that's in our faces right now. Let's just talk about that yeah. and then, then we'll continue on to greater career things. But
1: Oh man. How, how, how are, are you th- feeling about it?
0: I mean, I I'm I waver between being able to think about the larger scale of it and um, possible implications and just focusing on the day to day which I'm totally privileged and fine and safe and with my family and refrigerator full of food etc and working a day job right now that I'm able to work from home and continue getting paid for so I'm very lucky in that I've worked in the food industry in the past and that's not the case right now Um, so yeah I I toggle throughout the day between those two things and um, I'm just trying to get out of the way to try to make it easier for other people. And I have no, I, you know, we'll see what happens, but I have no desire to experience this sickness firsthand. So just trying to be careful. Totally. And, And it does help having a year and a half year old in the apartment, like who's just oblivious and is really happy that, you know, my husband was doing a show for two months out of town and I was usually at work. I work from home one day a week and out of the office four days a week. So usually at work, so she's kind of like thrilled that we're both around, and, and yeah. like kind of crazed with the, the excitement of having both parents around. So it's oh my been, gosh, this like, is keeps I, you in the I moment
1: to make this equation. But um, I, I have a dog who is also like it's okay. <laughs> I know. I was, talking to, I was talking to somebody recently who like equated their child to a puppy, and I was like, okay, cool, you did it. <laughs> uh, no, I could do it. No, but. Pickle is very excited that I'm around. Oh, uh, and also, and also, like, talk about ways that I cope with the dark side. He is one of those ways. Like, he is, uh, mm-hmm. he's just like a lovely presence in my day to day life that is keeping me grounded and like reminding me I need to go outside uh, and experience air. Um, so yeah, yeah. And and as far as like how how this pandemic is affecting what I am feeling and what I am doing um, I keep having this little like, hopeful silver lining piece of it that um, what comes out of this will be a, a larger cultural conversation surrounding the, the issues regarding sustainability in our industry mm-hmm. like the fact that our industry has to stop for eight weeks four to eight, and we don't know what the ramifications are. I I, I mean, I I feel as though we should be setting ourselves up for success in the future, using this as a template for like, like a disaster scenario. How, how do we all work together to craft a better future so that this won't be a disaster? You know, like, like, how can we all continue these dialogues that are happening right now to create a stronger industry. Um, and I think that requires everybody coming to the table and everybody putting their listening ears on and um, recognizing that we're all after the same goal. Like we are all, the producers, the actors, the stagehands, everybody is after the same goal of a healthy Broadway slash theatrical community. Yeah. When do you think,
0: we'll that, do you think that'll have to take place in hindsight? Or is it something that can, is already starting now, that conversation?
1: I think the conversations are happening, uh, but I think it's going to be partially in hindsight and partially uh, as we, everybody's in action mode. Everybody's been like, how, how do we stop the bleeding? Right. Um, so some of the foundational decisions that are being made now, I think will affect the hindsight, um. But I, I, I think that people are thinking that way, which is exciting. Um, yeah. And maybe a small silver lining. Uh, and I also think some great art is going to come out of it.
0: Oh, for certain. And what? I'm already just so inspired, even though as a parent, I haven't gotten to take advantage of a lot of it. But the things I'm seeing via Instagram of artists teaching classes and sharing their work and sharing their skills... Um, with people already in this like first week that it's really hit is incredible.
1: It's so good.
0: Um, so we'll see what happens.
1: It's so good.
0: We'll definitely be some good art coming out of it, but it is, you know, I don't know what the statistic is, but you always hear the frighteningly large statistic across the country of people saying that, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, And that's going to be scary to see the repercussions of it, but that's, you know, that's definitely true a lot in the arts, just, and it seems to be the way the um, industry is built. Like, it's not that, oh, just, you're not saving your money. It seems like, no, this is the way this functions, and you have to be okay with it. It's like, you're only getting paid enough to do this. Well, you work on a different scale than I do, but...
1: Well, no. Broadway I would, paychecks I also, for the
0: actors, at least, are larger
1: than <laughs> others. Yeah, I would also uh, mm-hmm. n- mention that like commercial producers don't make money unless the show is recouped. So, like, right. I I am trying to figure out how to make money doing what I want to do with my life. Um,
0: right along the way, and not j- along you the have way. to pay yeah. bills yeah. every month.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So tell me some about that. Tell me some about how you're putting together the financial stuff
1: oh sure since, since you
0: got out of school like what sorts of day jobs what sorts of ways do oh, you man. Work, work that out
1: I um I was just thinking about my first day job right after undergrad because it has come back the connections I made there have like stayed with me for years um <laughs> so my first job out of undergrad at 22 years old uh was working for a. Uh, bus extravaganza called The Ride that a lot of people...
0: Do you know Nate Miller? Was he working... Yes, Yes. He
1: was working there at the time. Because I was also working with Laura Ramaday, producing a show that she was in. Gotcha. And then we ended up opening the uh, lab together as producers. It was very... This job has connected me to so many people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was an audience services agent, which meant I put people on the bus... My friends and I would go drink a four loco, and then get people off of the bus. <laughs> oh God! It was it was it was the early two thousand tens. Yeah, that was irresponsible, but it was fun, and um, so that was a survival gig. I was like an HR um, manager at this. Internet marketing company that, like, they gave me way too much responsibility way too soon. I was like, I'm a liability to everyone. I have a theater degree, <laughs> and I'm over and they're like, and you're so good positions. with people. <laughs> like, That's not how you were supposed to get this job. Um, no, I was the temporary like office assistant, and the HR director just liked me, so she was like, come work with me. I was like, sure. And then she left on maternity leave. And I was, like, the interim HR, the head of HR. I was like, this is not okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then I left. I did grad school for a little while um, uh, in arts administration because I had just found producing. And I was like, okay, cool. I have this degree in, like, theater generalism, which I love. But (laughs) I should probably specialize in in something management-y. So I went to... program for arts administration in Boston, and it afforded me the opportunity to do an internship uh, at Williamstown, which then afforded me the opportunity to meet my future boss, and once I got a gig working on Broadway, I was like, well, I'm not going to go finish my master's degree. Um,
0: Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, so I took a a casual five and a half years off. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, in the in the past few months, I've left this steady job that I loved at Tom Carnegie Productions. Um, I was the associate producer there. And I have gone out on my own. And I am trusting this invisible safety net that hopefully will weave its way under me. Uh, Totally acknowledge my privilege and my ability to do that. Um, But I also in that decision was like, this could be a great time for me to go back and finish this degree that I started five and a half years ago. Well, like seven years ago, actually. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I weirdly am able to weather this pandemic a little less uh, stressfully because I have some student loan money that I'm like sitting on right? because of, because I'm back in school. So uh, in a weird way, I'm like, it's working out okay, yeah. It's working out okay.
0: So, when you were working for someone else as a producer, can you just give me an idea of like how large that office is? Oh, yeah, I feel it like for...
1: so. When I started working there, it was uh, I started part time, and there were two other part time folks. Um, they were primarily the other two part time people were primarily artists because that's, that's who this producing office drew, draws, like people who are passionate about the work. And I think that's actually what gives Tom Curtis Productions an edge, like they are incredible and filled with artists and people who know how to speak with artists. Um, uh, and I was the, the one who kind of s- switched into management mode, but I can still do the... the um, listen, I, I love to talk about plays. Um, <laughs> So that, that was how it started. And then as we had more shows on Broadway, the office kind of grew and my role grew. Uh, and, and what I end up saying is as an associate producer, like Tom, who is the president of the company had to be in like 7 million places at once. And I would take like 13 of those <laughs> and, and represent in, in those, um, yeah, but across the board, just kind of a catch-all position. Uh, that was great, and I learned so much. I'm sure an unbelievable amount.
0: Do you feel like um, it sounds like a lot of the stuff that you've learned has just been hands-on on the job training, which makes sense. That sounds like like
1: yeah. I, I this is a thing that I struggle with in our industry actually because the path to do what I want to do mm-hmm. feels very much like luck is required.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what is your experience of going the grad school route now and like picking up things that way as opposed to the, the luck that you've had and learning on the job side of your career so far?
1: Um, I... At this point, grad school is to get the paper. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, have learned a lot of hands-on, a lot through hands-on like experience. Right. Um, it's also tricky because this graduate degree is in arts administration, which is a very different thing than commercial producing. Um, there is there is uh, the Commercial Theater Institute, which you know is run by the Broadway league or in partnership with the Broadway league. I'm not actually sure of that relationship, but they um, do a good job of like the basics of commercial producing, uh, but it's like a professional program. Part of me is curious Mm -hmm. what this industry would look like if people were to go into undergrad and existing graduate programs and actually kind of lift the veil of opacity surrounding producing. Um, my crusade at this moment, and and hopefully a way that I can make a little money to live off of, um, is to figure out how to introduce producing vocabulary to BFA and MFA students who are actors, playwrights, directors, so that so that we can all galvanize around each other once people have graduated and and recognize that like yes, you're going to have to self produce. Yes, these are the conversations you're going to have with producers. Like, if you hear this, that might be a red flag. Like, you don't want to work with that person. Like, here are, and here is the art of producing as well. I think that so many of these educational institutions, because of the opacity surrounding what I do, think of me, like, sitting above the Belasco Theater, smoking a cigar, like, counting my coins, like, you know, what, Scrooge McDuck. And it's like, that's
0: not what I do. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, there's just like a lack of knowledge, I think. I don't, especially on huge productions, you think of the producers, you're like, oh, they're the money person. I don't know how they got the money. I don't know how they brought the money, but somehow they're the person with the money. Right. Um, Yeah. I think that's an amazing mission. Plus, yeah, I'm sure it would just lead to better collaborations and also like I know that you kind of had this with puffs and it's the kind of working relationships that I love the best like collaborating with your peers and kind of growing up the ladder together
1: oh totally that's my idea of what producing is it's it's developing relationships with artists until we're all at a point where we can jump off the cliff together and do something massive um That's what it is. And, and, and in the meantime, like, yes, I have to find the investors. (laughs) Sure. That's like, that's like a thing that has to happen and a thing that luckily I've been in the right places at the right times to, to have some very passionate investors. Um, And, and that will hopefully knock on wood continue. Um, So it's really just trusting your artists and finding those relationships and, and and supporting the work that comes out of them.
0: So, can you talk a little bit about uh, how Puffs came about, and how that? Oh my
1: gosh! Yeah.
0: How? What that? What role that played in your your stepping stones?
1: Yeah. So I uh, Puffs existed. Like I, I was not an early uh, team member on Puffs. Um, the group. Kristen McCarthy-Parker, a dear friend.
0: Mm -hmm. uh, Who's been on the podcast. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but yes.
1: We love. I'm having a a COVID-19 digital date with (laughs) Kristen and a bunch of uh, our college friends after this. Lovely. Um, So I knew Kristen was attached to it. I had seen it at uh, the Electra Theater, um, but I was not a part of it yet, and it had commercial producers attached to it. Um, and then I was approached after they got kicked out of the Electra theater and were moving to new world stages. Um, if I wanted to come on board as a co-producer and I was like, Oh my gosh, yes. Number one, uh, the, the terms were really good. So like it was a priority loan, which meant that my investors would put in their money and also get their money back fastest. Um, so that felt like a, a really safe endeavor because commercial off Broadway is really risky. Um, even though Pops had a lot, a lot to going for it, right? It's still a risk. <laughs> um, so I jumped on board at that point uh, for a million reasons. The the show is incredible. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly directed. It's brilliantly written. It was like right on the zeitgeist in that moment. It it checks the box that I have on every show that I'm a part of right now, which is some sort of hopefulness, hmm. um, some sort of. Uh, optimistic worldview. Uh, I'm just in a space in my career where that is important to me. Um, So I jumped on board and I was walking with David Carpenter, the lead producer, and we were chatting about merch and how I uh, was really curious about that world. And I had been the point person on merch for another show, but from the producer side, and he was like, well, would you be interested in doing it for Puffs? And I was like, sure, and uh, I did, <laughs> and that was that was my first merchandise client. So I have this other side business now because of because of Puss.
0: And w- when you say that, is that like designing the merch, or what? What does that involve? It's
1: so um, my dear, sweet younger sister is a graphic designer who that I that is so handy. Thank you, sister. This. Yeah. <laughs> She's not that sweet. Also, she got a really good deal. I like negotiated against myself there. And then <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have money to pay her a fee up front, so I gave her a royalty on the sales of this one very popular shirt. And I was like, "Damn! Like I am paying her so much for this, and I finally just stopped sending checks. <laughs> uh, I was like we have to stop. I'm not getting her a Christmas." present because I can't afford it because I'm paying her so much for this t-shirt um, <laughs> anyway so she she did she did the designs
0: okay great Perfect. um well I love that you have your your hands in so many different pies like that's that's a great way to like keep diversified and like always be growing and learning along the way
1: I think so it's I struggle with how to manage my time a lot like yeah. how to to vote enough to each project um, so that everybody feels that they are getting my full attention. Uh, how,
0: how do you take time off? Are you figuring that out? Or do you feel I, like you work all around the good, clock? Good,
1: I'm pretty good at saying I'm done um, around six or seven. You know? And then obviously I go see a show, which is work, but not actually because <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, no, I I, I I think that I see the societal trend of like working really hard as like something that is cool and I have no desire to be a part of that I'm all about work smarter not harder like I'm sorry if I can solve something in two minutes why would I spend 20 minutes fretting over it like (laughs) that's my that's my mo there yeah
0: um what is well you just talked about your sister but what do your parents do what do they think about you being an artist for your career
1: oh my gosh my mom constantly because I've I've done a lot of things in my career you know I've been an HR director I've like been an audience services agent I have I dabbled in acting for a little while I like um was in grad school and uh, I was a freelance writer for a hot second. Uh, And my mom is constantly like, see, that's what a theater degree will do. You can act like you're anything. And I'm like, okay, sure. We'll go with that. Um, So I think, I think they're very proud of the fact that I'm treating this artist's life as an entrepreneur as an exercise in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. um, I think that if I were, uh, if I were spending more time, I I think they would struggle if I were only, only acting or only directing or only like, I think they, they they are really proud of the fact that I do a lot of different things. Um, but they're, they're fine. They're, they're good. They're really proud of both of us. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm sure it must have been exciting when they came to see these Broadway shows that you were involved in.
1: Oh yeah, they were they were my dates to uh, Anastasia was my first Broadway show that like my name was above the title, uh, and they were my dates to opening, and they came to see Hades Town. They're they're big fans. They're big fans. What's the
0: community like for producers? Do you feel like you're in communication with a lot of other of your peers
1: honestly we're also head down siloed Mm -hmm. like working all the time on our individual projects that I, I always know they're there like I have some deep wonderful connections to my peers uh but it's kind of this trust that like if you need somebody you can ask for it there's rarely like uh hey how you doing text until now think that this pandemic is like going to cause uh, a revolution in communication almost like i've been facetiming with peers i've been texting these people who are incredibly ambitious who all of a sudden have had the rug ripped out from under them and being like how are you doing like there is this galvanizing moment uh between like i think friend groups and also peer groups
0: well, hopefully it'll bring on some radical empathy in this country.
1: <laughs> honestly, honestly, my parents, who are Republicans in South Carolina, said the same thing. Really? They were like, yeah, they were like, "This." I think this is a sign that we all need to come together. And I was like, really? Okay.
0: All right. So in your quest to inform young artists and to... Are you interested? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you interested in mentoring younger producers?
1: Oh, absolutely. That's like...
0: Like in in that quest, um, how are you making yourself a resource? How are you putting yourself out there?
1: Uh, It's really interesting. I would say like three months ago, I really didn't like that label, Mentor. I actually, Mm -hmm. my good friend and colleague, who uh, worked in my office with me would like tease me and be like, you're my mentor. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. We're peers. Um, But I I, I do feel like since I have left like my steady job and I'm doing this on my own, there has kind of been a shift in, I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's just like, I have to be more front footed, but something about that has made me feel confident owning the label mentor. um, And speaking with people and, and also recognizing like, I know shit. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> I actually do know things. Yeah. Um, and the way that I employ that, I actually, uh, Erica Holland has this organization that I just joined and I'm really excited to do that. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's going to be great. Let's Google it. Let's Google it.
0: Let's Google it, guys. I feel like I know what yes. you're talking about, but I can't think what it is either.
1: Um, it's really exciting, and I owe them an email. <laughs> I'm saying that publicly. But it's
0: all about it's all about connecting mentors, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh.
1: Oh, st- Statera. Statera.
0: Statera Arts. Yes. Okay. Cool. So
1: I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, I am the co-leader of the WP producers lab which here's the thing about mentorship I learn more from those people than I think they learn from me like hard stop I uh, am the luckiest person to be able to like just be in these producers presence um, so basically mentoring is just like me learning things. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> Not a selfless act, Um, but yeah, the WP Lab is a big part of what I do. Um, And then I recently started. Actually, today was the first time I've done this, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I talked to a high school student for 30 minutes today, just because I'm like, these kids are sitting at home, like doing homeschool stuff, being quarantined. I I'm I'm sitting at home, looking for you know gigs and um, trying to basically trying to plan things that cannot be planned like I cannot plan when the LA version of my show can open because we don't know right so why would I spin my wheels and why not just speak to people who are passionate about this art form about like the industry things that I know so I chatted with a high school student um and I kind of want to do more of that um
0: how did you connect with that student
1: a friend, a friend knew this young person awesome. who was excited about theater, and said, "You guys should talk," and we did.
0: So, what what sorts of advice did you give this student today, as far as getting into producing? Since you were saying, yeah. like, the weird thing is that it takes a lot of luck. Like, what are what are some ways to get around that?
1: That's a great question. Uh, this particular student. she was very much just curious about the industry as a whole. Uh So my, my goal is to be sure young people know that there are other career paths that also involve art that are not, you know, that like, yes, being on stage is wonderful and magical. And that's how most of us got involved in this art form. Um, But if I had known producing was a career option in undergrad, I probably would have pursued it earlier. Hmm. Um, So that, and and producing, just to say, like theater management is one thing. Producing feels different. It feels like a lot of educational institutions prepare you to go out and be in a nonprofit world, which is great, but I am curious on this other side. Anyway, um, so uh, opening up the worldview to be sure there is an acknowledgement of everybody listed on the title page of a Broadway show. There are marketing agencies. There are press offices. There are producing offices. There's like general managers. There are all of these opportunities that are, that are. I, I would argue, art. Um, I take a very broad view of what that word means. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I'm confident in that view. Um, But yeah, so I told her that. I told her to look at the title page. uh, And then also everything is your relationships. That's that's what everything comes back to in my mind.
0: Right. So that's the part that kind of takes some strategy and some luck together. It's like finding. Yeah. Yeah. Finding those genuine relationships, but figuring out which ones you really need.
1: Yeah, and also being open to all of them, though. Like, I think there's a genu. There has to be a genuine curiosity about human beings, mm-hmm. so that you can then and determine. Like, now, now I have this connection with this person. The question isn't like, "How will I use it?" The question is, like, "How does this person need me? How do I need this person?" Like. Um, I think that's an important articulation.
0: Yeah, totally. Because I think sometimes people get swept up in, quote-unquote, networking. And it oh. can feel, yeah. ugh, just like the idea yeah. of it feels very schmarmy, and like people are yeah. using each other and you're not actually talking to each yeah. other. So, in- I
1: feel that we're moving past, I feel we're in like a neo-networking moment. like, like <laughs> Or a post-net- post-networking. where
0: I hope so. Where there
1: is... There is a focus on authenticity because there is nothing that turns me off more than just like knowing somebody is coming at me as a networking thing. I'm
0: like, oh, no. Do you feel like some of that is because of the rise of social media? Because I feel like when I graduated grad school, which was 10 years ago, it was still a little bit of like you need to present yourself in this specific way. And then as Instagram and as, like, the world of social media as, like, a, a extension of you as an artist has grown, it's been more about, like, revealing yourself more than, well, I guess there's, there's, no, there's a wide gamut, but.
1: <laughs> I, I, would, I would say it's even broader than that. I would say it's the internet as a whole. Like, I think of these kids that are in undergrad right now, and I think of me in undergrad. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, Oh my God.
0: And for you producers, always... you have so many more tools at that age or that yeah, stage.
1: Exactly. And like, they are asking questions that I did not know existed. Um, mm-hmm. so in that way, I think technology and the internet has like required more authenticity because we know more there. There can't be a painted veneer. Um, I think. I'm I'm hypothesizing, but I I I think that's true. And I'm also just like in awe of students today. I wish I could go back and hang out with all of them and be a student as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, are there any lessons you've learned either personally or professionally over the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to share?
1: Um, I think that I think what I mentioned before about pausing is really important. I think um, knowing that sometimes the best action is inaction is a skill that you can't be taught because you know when when you graduate from the uh, education corporation that some of our institutions are. It feels very, like, in order to get ahead, you have to be front-footed, you have to move, but you have to, like, take action all the time, when in reality, like, sometimes being too front-footed will actually hinder you. Um, so I think that's been a really, really important goal. And then also to be nimble with definitions of success. Yes. Uh, that's super, super important. Um, and I don't think I could have said that five years ago.
0: Yeah. What are, what is what looking like now, nowadays? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, for me, it is, um, staying, staying in myself and confident in that in order to remain my, my own boss and chart my own path. Um, because at a certain point it would be easy to get a full-time job and I have to keep reminding myself, that's, that's not what you want. Like you, you actually want to be the one who is creating the full-time jobs for other people. Um, and, and that ties into, you know, um, like slowing down, recognizing Mm -hmm. that success might not happen in five years. It might be decades from now and that's okay. Um, and also what is success? In my, in my view, success is just getting the ball, like, a yard down the field, like, it's, it's remaining my own boss, it's being my own boss, it's all of those things,
0: um, yeah. I love that. Um, was this transition, this big transition that you made from working for that other producer for such a long time into being your own boss, was that something that you had been planning for for a long time, or, like, what made you feel like this is the moment, where i'm gonna oh, sure. i'm gonna take uh, that step
1: yeah 2016 was really really seismic for me the election in particular mm-hmm. um so uh, i couldn't have been in a better place like i i volunteered for hillary i phone banked i like ran an organization called broadway for hillary with a couple of my colleagues um and so the election happened and i i just like i was so supported in office it, we were all you know, the way everybody was, but like, um, it, it really unearthed a lot of things for me in terms of recognizing that I had been a rule follower my entire life and like, what does that get you? Uh, asking about a woman's place in, in leadership scenarios, all of those things. So the next year, I did my annual review and I mentioned to my wonderful mentor boss um like i don't know how to do this like i see no examples of and this was short-sighted of me at the time but i was frustrated and i had gone through the election <laughs> and I was like i i do not see many examples of women who have gone on and like they haven't been independently wealthy they right and then have like charted their own course in the commercial theater he then like mentioned some examples and i was like yes we love them. Um, but, but I was kind of in this, this moment of like hitting this, this ceiling. And it was also, I was an associate. I'd been an associate for a long time. The company had Tom's name on it. So I, you know, there's, there's nowhere to go really. Um, so I guess about a year and a half after that, uh, we had another conversation and I was like, all right, at the end of this year, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go out on my own, uh, and and he was like, "I think that's amazing, and I support you in every way." And like through this amazing going away party that I like, I don't know that anybody's ever done anything nicer for me. It was really spectacular, um, but no, it was a lot of like dark nights of the soul. Being like, how do I do this? Is this the right path? And how do I, like, chart this path for others?
0: Yeah. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a lot of crying and typing my annual review. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what a, what a wonderful experience having that positive learning environment job for so long to like help help launch you into that next place
1: oh my gosh i am the luckiest truly and that was all i mean it was a relationship like we were at williamstown this guy was trying to use the copier and i was like i got you i know how to use that (laughs) copier and then we became friends and then i asked him to coffee and then he was my boss for five years like incredible yeah
0: I feel like people are going to be mad at me if we don't talk about your two most recent Broadway shows. I'm trying to think where to dive in. Oh, uh,
1: yeah.
0: How many producers are involved on a show like Hadestown Town or The Inheritance?
1: Um a lot. Uh both of those have a lot of producers. So so it's also important to acknowledge that there are lead producers. Um mm-hmm who are the people that are, like, making the decisions... Sorry, shut my door. Um, Who are making the decisions and and shepherding the play long before it's coming to Broadway. Um, So typically there are anywhere from one to four of those, and then there are a significant number of co-producers, because as Broadway gets more expensive, so so do the number of co-producers. so, the inheritance—the inheritance actually is really interesting because the lead producers made a strategic move to bring on a very specific group of people that were intergenerational, um, a, diver, a more diverse group than most shows, uh, just based on the subject matter.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really spectacular, and uh, uh, but you look above the title there are a bunch of things um, and I kind of love that and I've made a lot of really lovely friends from that group of people uh Sound, there are fewer but it's still it's still a bunch
0: what is that collaboration like between the producers themselves on something like that sure I know these are very um, basic questions but no, it really is, is like a what you do really is a mystery I feel like to the rest of the theater community
1: yeah so um Co-producers, the, the goal is to be an ambassador for the show. In mm-hmm. addition to raising your portion of the capitalization, which is required, um, it is how do I go out there and sell tickets to people, talk about the show everywhere I go, um, talk about it with my industry friends, like really representing the show. That's, that's the co-producer's job it's to be an ambassador uh, everywhere
0: so do you feel like everyone is kind of in their own lane doing that or did you guys did you feel like you were all collaborating in that effort
1: oh yeah Uh, I could speak to these two shows in particular we have been incredibly galvanized and uh, the co-producers as a whole have all come together and wrap their arms around these shows and each other yeah. and said alright we're in this because mm-hmm. both of them were massive risks right like mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble raising money for Hadestown because nobody knew what it was it was breaking breaking molds um, people are very happy that they invested in it now uh, but it was a hard sell uh, the Inheritance wasn't actually a hard sell because so many people... Re- that story resonates so deeply with so many people that I had people want, who who didn't care, you know, if they would see a penny. They wanted to be a part of this thing. Um, and the co-producers are the same way. We are... We're in it for, for the passion for this story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's been remarkable. And The Inheritance, I will say... So that was my last show as the associate producer at Tom Carnegie Productions. Mm -hmm. So I acted on it twofold. I was both Tom's associate and a co-producer.
0: Um,
1: so, and same with Haiti sound. So on the inheritance though, I'm really, really proud of the work we've done, um, weaving the story into the community. Uh So we made a concerted effort to build deep relationships with the LGBT, um, organizations in the city Uh, so like we had the sponsor ticket initiative where people were able to donate money to a fiscal sponsor and we would give tickets to our community partners um, which was incredible we had this cool lobby series where 30 minutes prior to part two we had uh, the first one was as, uh the video of GMHC came in and talked about the state of HIV and AIDS in America today. like I, I mean it was it was really spectacular and I'm really proud of the work we've done on that show. I'm really sad it closed before the actual closing.
0: I know um, how anticlimactic.
1: It's I that's talk about therapy. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like unpack that in
0: yeah
1: yeah, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah. It no, feels better. like I didn't get
0: to say goodbye. I know. And you guys were fairly close, right? It was supposed to close yeah. this month, but just not when it did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Aww. Exactly.
0: Yeah. How that's is that for you when, when you have shows that are long running? How is it for you with your workload when like you get something up and running and then you're, you've moved on to other projects, but I assume you're still like like with this drama that's happening now with Broadway being shut down, like you still need to be involved with whatever's happening yeah. with Hadestown, et cetera so there are
1: these magical people called general managers who once a show is up and running are the heroes truly um producers obviously are are key to guiding the ship um but the general managers are often the ones making the day-to-day decisions on those shows um how it has to balance like there's there's no way one person could could you're right maintain for these long-running shows
0: right okay thank you I know those were very technical questions no I love I love (laughs) so when you do feel yourself going to that dark side or like the worn down uninspired place Are there any tangible things that you reach for again and again, like books you reread or music you listen to or like personal touchstones like that?
1: (laughs) I am obsessed with the London Philharmonic recording of the carousel waltz. It is, it is like what I go back. So it's the overture from the musical carousel.
0: So Uh, specific. I I love it.
1: (laughs) I don't know what it is about it. It, I, I have this genre of music that I call music you can swim in, um, which I coined in college, uh, and it still checks out to this day. Um, and it's just one of those one of those pieces of music that I feel so inspired by, and I feel so filled with wonder when I listen to it. Um, so like that, and also memes. I'm. <laughs> I'm really into memes these days. It allows me to just, like, turn my brain off for a second, reset, and just, like, (laughs) dive back into what I was doing.
0: Laughter is very therapeutic. Wonderful. I love that. Um, And then the last question is, although it's an interesting time to be asking this, uh, is there anything you've seen recently of any art form that you want to recommend? So...
1: Could be, could be theater, could uh, yeah. be a movie, could be anything. I think everyone under the sun should listen to 1619, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a New York Times podcast about uh, the underpinnings of the U.S. Uh, economy and how it is all inextricably linked to slavery. That I love, it was revelatory and so human and important and wonderful um, uh, and then oh gosh I feel like I, I have so much um, what else I might just leave it at that right now because it's the first thing that popped in my mind and now I have a million other things swirling in my head
0: but, no that's a good one um, yeah thank you so much for doing this I really enjoyed
1: this conversation oh my gosh of course thank you Leah so nice
0: to connect thank you for listening to the compass podcast if you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of the compass please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the compass podcast pledges start at as little as one dollar a month anything you can give would be greatly appreciated Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.